everybody. We are back. It is DadCast. It is part two with UFC fighter O'Day Osborne. O'Day, welcome back, man. It feels like it's been a long time, man. Right. It's been forever. <laughs> now, you know, right? In the last episode, uh, we talked a lot about fuckery. I think that's what what part one is going to be. Yeah, it's going to be titled fuckery, and I'm going to have to For put sure. a parent uh, warning on that one. Um, but I like it. You talked about your goals and what you need to achieve them and what you don't need in your life, et cetera, mm. et cetera. I wanted to touch a little bit on that, but I need to go back. Um, you mentioned that your upbringing was, um, a little rough per se. It was not mm. the normal. No. Was your upbringing, did that help in catapulting into your successful fight career? Is it because of your upbringing, you became a successful fighter or do they have nothing to do with each other? No, they have everything to do with each other. Okay. 100%. I am the man I am, the fighter I am. And the future father I am, because of my mother, because of my upbringing, because of all the struggles I've had to go, I've had to go through, it is impossible to become successful without struggling. And if you do become successful without struggling, you'll fumble, because if you don't know how to handle failure, if you don't know how to handle turmoil, if you don't know how to handle uh, trauma, if you don't know how to handle all that shit, when it does come and hit you. You, you got to be ready for that, man. You got you got to be like a, a Spartan with your shield. You know what I'm saying? All of that trauma, all of that shit that you grew up with, that's your shield. That's your shield. You know, I call it the, the bullshit shield. It's this blocking bullshit. Like, ching, ching. Right. <laughs> I hear this blocking bullshit. You know what I mean? So you, you uh, for me, everything that I've been through in my life, including all the fuck-ups, you know, including all the shit that... Um, I didn't get to achieve, it has brought me here to become this person now. But it only works if you are aware and in tune to it. You can't just be like, well, you know, uh, my, my childhood was fucked up. So that's why I am the way I am. No, 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 no. You can't do that. That That is how we, it's called, like I said, we make excuses for ourselves. As a society, it's something that we do. We have to analyze what happened in our childhood to get us to where we are, the, the way we are. And now do we want to stay where we are? I'm a person that I'm competitive through and through. And I'm like, I hear people say this all the time. I won't change for nobody. I'm like, what? No, forget that. I'm trying to change. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to use my childhood. I'm trying to use my upbringing to be better, you know, because I had certain um, traumas where you know, I felt like nobody uh, really cared cared a lot about me. Okay. You know, like growing up in Jamaica, I felt like no one really cared about me. So because I had that, it, it, it internalized the fire within my brain. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to prove to you motherfuckers that I'm deserved to be loved. Right. You know what I mean? And that catapulted me. That is what catapulted me to my success because I felt like I wasn't loved and um, not talking about my mom. My mom was in the States at the time. So she came up here to the United States uh, two years prior and, um, you know, to work and to build a better life for me. But while I was there, like I said, th those two years without my mom was miserable. And, you know, but it built that fire that I needed to 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 catapult me. And, I, and it made me competitive because I'm like, you know what? Y'all don't love me now, 
but shit, uh, just watch. When did you just start? Watch. When did you know that you were going to fight for a living? I didn't know that I was going to fight for a living until like my freshman year in college. Okay. But I knew, but let me tell you this. When did I you know you was, were good at it? Well, let's fast forward. Let's, let's, sorry, let's rewind. I knew that I was going to be something great when I was seven. I was seven years old and I was in Jamaica and uh, the airplanes was all like always flying over, always flying over Jamaica. And, you know, I would, I remember at seven years old, I, I talk about this all the time. I would look up into the sky and I would hear the, you know, the airplanes roar mm-hmm. just going by and I'd look up into the sky and I'd be like, someday, man, I'm going to be on that airplane and I'm going to be something great. I would always say that to myself. Someday I'm going to be on one of them airplanes. I'm going to be something great. And I just said it and I said it and I said it and I kept saying it. You know what I mean? You manifested then, it, man. And then look, nine years old, boom, got on that plane. And, you know, the journey of the Jamaican sensation started when I hit that. <laughs> and I touched down into Brooklyn, New York. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, man, I, I would love to, um, man, I would love to, uh, uh, um, do like a Netflix documentary. That's that's my goal, my future end goal. Do like a Netflix documentary of like what I went through as a kid. And because I'm going to be honest with you, a lot of the world has no idea what I went through my childhood. I've never came out about a lot of shit I went through. You know, Are you I, willing I, to give us an example now? We've got a pretty big <laughs> platform, man. Over almost a million people. Uh, now would be the right. time. We don't have all to. Right. You don't have to dig deep and tell us you know everything, what? but just you know a what? snippet, man. You know what? Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. I'll, I'll I'll share. So, um, probably I'll say maybe like six people know this. Um, all right, no, I'll go with ten. Maybe like ten people. It's about this. to be about a million. So just to, be forewarned. <laughs> I'm about to drop this on Dadcast. Okay. All right. So, um. Before I came to the United States, you know, I suffered a lot of uh, just trauma, trauma, traumatic abuse, um, physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, and family member, kids in the neighborhood, family member, a lot of family member. Um, My mom was she was she's a very successful woman now, you know, and I feel like a lot of that was just jealousy towards my mom. You know what I'm saying? I feel okay. like yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of times uh, family members, when they see one family member being successful, they always, I don't know. And that's a problem you know, with society as a whole. Instead of lifting is. up and being proud, people get jealous <clears throat> and, and look down. I yeah. just don't understand it. This is family. They're doing great things. You should be. <clears throat> but anyway, sorry, go on. No. And so um, with that being said, you know, when when that happened, you know, I took the blunt end of that. You know what I'm saying? I felt now, because I didn't know why. You know what I'm saying? I remember right. as a kid, like I was, I never went to school. I never went to school. I remember I probably went to school <sighs> maybe about, I don't know, a total of 20 times as a kid, you know? And every time I went to school, I'd hop on the bus. I was seven years old. Hop on the bus, get on the bus, take the bus from, uh, 11 mile bull bay it's called bull bay kingston all the way down to the town we call it town here town is like a farmer's market and everyone's selling goods i'll take the, the city bus all the way down to to the town i get off at town i'd walk from town all the way to my school you know I'd, and I'd, I'd do that every time you know um i would able to get bus fare and i'd take my bus fare 
take it to town, get off the bus, walk to school. Seven years old, no joke, seven years old. And I do the same thing um, on the way back, you know, get on the bus, take the bus all the way home. But because the educational system in Jamaica is so fucked, like I, I, I don't even know, man. My grandma, she had told my mom that she thought I was gifted. And I was like, I don't, I'm like, I don't, I don't, what? How, how? But anyways, she, she, my mom said that she held me back from school because she thought school was going to ruin me or whatever the case may be. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, moving forward, end up staying with my aunt and, uh, yeah, my aunt never really sent me to school like that. You know, I never really, I never, I was, I guess I spent most of my time in the woods and I didn't, I didn't learn how to read until I was about 12 years old. So you were already in the States then. Yeah, okay. I was already in the States and, you know, I struggled with school, everything. I remember being in class, like I remember being in class in Jamaica and, um, you know, I, I really wanted to go to the bathroom and the teacher wouldn't let me. And uh, I remember being in class and I peed myself in, in class. Like it was, su- it was such a traumatic experience. I'll never forget that. You know, I peed myself in class and it was, it was so traumatic, man. It was so traumatic. Dude, I've got a same story, man. Seventh grade, my damn science teacher, Mr. Pattonod. Oh. That's how ingrained it is me. I had, to, you, I had to take a <laughs> dump, man, like bad. And man, and I'm not trying to make this as a funny, you know, light in here. I, no. it, it was so painful. I had to leave and he wouldn't let me go. And I finally just, I'm like, dude, I got to go. I, I, mm. I literally, I, I barely made it. Let's just leave it at that. But yeah. that, that, this baffles me that, you know, the teacher's not going to let a kid go. They're not, you know, uh, anywho, sorry, go on. I share yeah. that experience with you, man. <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. But, um, but yeah, man, um, I remember like my aunt, she was very, very like, she was very strict. My mom's sister, mm-hmm. you know, she was just kind of, I don't know why she was like this. Just so mean. You know what I'm saying? Just so mean. The only time she was nice to me was when my mom would send money down oh. for me. And she would be like, sweet, like, oh, my, my, my sweet nephew, my sweet nephew. And, you know, I'd be like, oh, my aunt loves me. And I give her money. You know what I mean? Because I wanted, I wanted to be loved, man. Yeah, I wanted to be yeah, loved. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to be loved. So I'm like, oh, my mom, my aunt, you know, here you go. And she give me, you know, I give her money. And, you know, that lasted for like, shit, a day. And then she's back to being mean. But I remember um, when she found out that I wasn't good in math, you know, it was just like, Oh man, it was so brutal. The amount of punishment I would get. Um, I didn't know basic like times tables, like my two times tables and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, I remember situations where, you know, she would, she just hit me because I like when I, you know, every time I'd mess up, she'd hit me and, you know, she would lock me in a room and, um, I would, you know, and she would tell me like, I'm not, you know, when I come back, you better, you better know your times tables. And when I say room, like we don't have, we didn't have lights. We didn't have running water, nothing like that. You know what I'm saying? We had a bucket to go, you know, to piss and shit, whatever. Um, and uh, we did have an outhouse though. But, you know, um, I remember it being just so dark in that room, you know, just so dark. And so how the hell like, did you learn anything anyway in those conditions? <laughs> but, but man, I had to though, you know, yeah. I had to, I had to. And so I, I just like for, I, you know, I, I just, was I just remember crying and shaking and trying to memorize, like memorize this. And I'm like, how am I supposed to even know this? Like no one's ever taught it to me. I don't go to school that much. Like, what am I supposed to do? 
You know, no one, yeah. no one taught me this shit, but I had to, you know, so I just spent those times going over, going over, going over, going over, going over it. And, uh, sure enough, I did, I ended up learning my, my two times tables, man. And it was just like a glorious time because I was just like, oh, you know, cause I was always just like, I was always like afraid of her, you know, I was yeah. so intimidated by her. And, um, eventually like somebody told my mom in the States, like, yo, you're like, yo, your sister's, you know, abusing your son. Like, and she was pissed. She was pissed. So she ended up, um, having me go to my grandma. Um, so I ended up living with my grandma for a while and same shit happened, man. Same shit happened. My grandma was nice to me for a while. And then she just is mean, mean as shit really didn't gave me, she didn't give me a lot, but a lot of, a lot of Jamaican cultures like that, you know what I'm saying? But I, it just, it kind of, I, I guess made me feel like, damn, nobody, nobody cares about me. Right. And so I, I enjoyed being out in the woods. I enjoyed being out in the woods. And so, um, when it came time for me to come to the States, when it came time for me to come to the States, it was the greatest moment of my life. It was the greatest moment of my life. And, um, my grandma that I was with, she, she got somebody that she knew to, you know, cause in Jamaica, they, they, they profile you heavy. They profile you heavy. Um, if you don't have like a, I don't know how it is now, but if you, if you don't have like a background of, of, of like stature, they don't, you know, they don't stamp your, 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 uh, visa to go to the States or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So anyways, I ended up, uh, I was only supposed to come to the States for a little bit and I don't know what was going to happen. I have no idea what was going to happen, but I, I just know my grandma didn't really want me around and she didn't care what happened to me. So, uh, she, she met this guy that could like, he, he had connections, put it that way. Okay. He had connections to getting me to the United States. Okay. And, um, have you been since you left as a dining? Have you, have you been in the United States since? No, actually I haven't. So that's, this is where it, the story gets interesting. <laughs> this is where the story gets interesting. Um, so, <laughs> uh, I can't believe I'm sharing this. So my grandma met this guy and, um, she pretty much paid him a, a bunch of money to, get me up to the United, to the States. Anyways, uh, my grandma tells my mom, like, go get your son. He's getting on a plane. My mom is like, what? You know what I mean? She, uh, she gets the information and she gets me. And, um, I just remember, you know, opening, like back then your parents could come to the gate. Like people could come to the gate. Now it's not like that, you know, but I just remember, you know, seeing that and, uh, see my mom for the first time in two years. And it like, I literally like dropped my bags and everything and just sprinted. Like it was like a slow motion clip in the movies, man. I just sprinted to her and I gave her the biggest hug. And you know, at the time my mom had, she had two choices to make or one choice to make. She could report it and send me back because <laughs> right. I committed, you know what I mean? It, it, it's uh very frowned upon. And, um, you know, how could you do, I was her only child, you know, so I don't blame her. You know what I mean? So she chose to keep it a secret. And, um, how long did that last? Till I was 25. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah. You know, um, 
what a story, man, to get <laughs> into the States. But you know what? It was all friggin' worth it. Some scary times, but scary here times. we are. And you you made it to the land of opportunity that you said yourself that yeah. you are now teaching and giving <laughs> to other children. Uh, yeah, man. That's, it's it was, such a great story. Yeah, it's crazy, too. And I've never, you know what I mean? Like, I've like my mom was always like I said we were always like so I was always so tra like traumatized because my mom and I knew I couldn't I had to be extremely careful. There were times where you know people would pick on me in school and I've had it where where kids would just like punch me like dead in my face just boom like you know what I'm saying? Because I would like I would say something back to them. They 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 pick on me and I say something back and they punch me. And I just had to, I had to eat that, man. I had to eat those punches. It's happened multiple times where I had to eat those punches because I knew deep down I was an, I was an illegal immigrant. You get in a fight, all of a sudden you're raising flags and you don't want flags to be raised. And my mom could be in trouble. You know, I can get, that yeah. could get my mom in trouble. Did you use you know that fuel saying? on the 16 fights you've had in the UFC? And do you still man. use that fuel? <laughs> well, that, that fuel eventually was nullified at some point. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Because, you know. I got, I got the love that I needed from my mom and I got, I got, you know what I mean? But I still had that fire though. I still had that, that desire, yeah. that burning passion. But, um, you know, when I was here, it was hard, man, because I couldn't, I couldn't even get an identification card that said I was Ode Osborne. I couldn't drive a car. So I had to lie all through high school. All my friends asked me like, why don't you get a job? Why don't you know? They're all, I always got picked on for not having a job. Right. I picked on for not having a, a, my license and I always had to lie about it because I, you know, I couldn't come out and say, Oh yeah, I'm an illegal immigrant. Cause you know, I could get deported, but you know, I, I being, always, I was always facing deportation being that your mom, was she on a visa or was she an American citizen yeah, at the time? Yeah. My mom's American citizen. She's so, married, you know, so what I don't understand if she's a citizen and you are her son, how, how, you know, why was there an issue? <sighs> Dude, our government is, it's, uh, it's, it's confusing that way. Um, okay. Because there's no way of proving that I'm Ode Osborne. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that, that's where the issue comes in. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so I was now, saying, hey, here's take my blood DNA test. Let's go. It's, <laughs> yeah. Seems pretty goddamn simple to, to me. But what are they going to match? But so now, um, 2011, Obama got elected uh -huh. into office. And 2012, he invented, he came up with this thing called the Dream Act, where children that were brought here that wasn't in their control and they were brought here when they were a child and was an illegal immigrant could now be grandfathered into what's called the DACA. Um, it's, the DACA stands for uh, Dreamers. It's like a dreamer, a childhood of, of arrival, deferred action. Right. It's called deferred action, childhood arrivals. So that's what I am. I'm underneath. I'm classified as a, as a DACA dreamer. And uh, I have to get, you know, renewed every two years. Um, but that ultimately, ultimately saved my life because, you know, I ended up going to a private college, Carroll University in Wisconsin. And the only reason why I went to a private college was because I couldn't, I couldn't get a job. I couldn't work. And um, it required a social security, which I didn't have. Yeah. And private schools didn't have that. You, they didn't require those things. And so my mom had to pay out of pocket. You know, she was paying $500 every, every two weeks or every week out of pocket just so I can, you know, go to school. And uh, eventually that, 
that well ran dry, you know what I mean? And uh, we hit into a recession. I think it was 2012. I don't remember where, you know, we weren't working at the time. And, um, you know, I couldn't go back to school. I had to, I had to drop out of school. I was in Wisconsin and, and, you know, I had to make a decision. Like, I was like, damn, like, you know, I, I don't, I don't really know what to do with my life. I, I can't work. I don't know where to turn. Um, I, you know, that's part of why I believe I'm, I'm so heavily, I believe in God, uh, because God has had my back since I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Because I've always believed always. And I've never, I didn't grow up in church. I I never grew up in church, but I always grew up with this, this spiritual being just guiding me, you know? And, um, so when I got to, to 25 years old, finally, I, I, I saw, I got an attorney and I started, I turned pro, I got into martial arts. So I met this guy, his name was Reese Shaner. He owned this MMA gym. And I was a year out of college. I was wrestling. I ended up making it to nationals my first year in college, defeating the number one ranked kid in the nation in my first year of college, you know, uh, ended up choking ended up realizing later on in life that the reason why I choked at a lot of these tournaments and, you know, I would get there, right. I would always get to these big tournaments, like the state term. I placed at state. I placed, started wrestling when I was a freshman. I placed three times, three times, fourth, third, and fifth, three times at state because I had that fire, but I could never close because of what was done to me. And because I always felt like, you know what? success isn't going to happen and I'm just, it's going to get taken away from me. So I'm just going to self-sabotage this moment because I'd rather self-sabotage the moment and than have that, it happen to me. Right. Then, cause if I do it, it's, it's easier for me to handle, you know what I'm saying? But if it's, if it happens to me out of my control, then I can't take it anymore. I can't bear that pain. I can't bear that suffering. So in those moments where I would make it to the finals, the state tournaments, I'd make it to the finals and, you know, regional tournaments, I would self-sabotage because it was an easier for me to do than have somebody else do that. Have you, Anyways, gotten, have you gotten rid of that? Oh, for sure. I've slayed that dragon. I've slayed, slayed that, that son bitch. All right. Yeah. yeah We're getting <laughs> close to the end of our time together, Oday. We mentioned in part one that you wanted and will your words become a UFC champion. Mm -hmm. When's your next fight? Are there any fights scheduled? <laughs> who is the champ right now? And because uh, I want to know who ass is going to get kicked here in the future. <laughs> um, I don't have any fights scheduled uh, as of yet. My um, how does that process work? How do you get? It's I a mean, long are you like, it's hey, Dana, I need I need a it's, fight. What, what's it's a long process. So let me let me go. I'm going to touch back on this. I'm going to uh, finish up, wrap up what I was saying just okay. a few minutes ago, just for a second. And then I'll touch back on, on this. Cause, um, this part is really important. Uh, when I, when I got to, when I met Reese Shaner and, yep. uh, he told me, um, that I could train at his gym for him. He's like, I could, you could try, I could train at his gym as long as I came and I worked and did stuff in the gym and just showed up. Cause he knew I, I, I yeah, he knew my story. He knew I, I couldn't work. I couldn't do anything. And he was so supportive and he was the first father figure uh, that really touched me. You know what I'm saying? The first guy that saw something special in me and he gave me everything. 
he gave me everything. I came from Florida and, you know, I was rough around the edges. And so he, he carefully molded and shaped me. I wasn't allowed to swear in his gym. I had to be respectful. He taught me discipline. He taught me how to drive. He taught me how to have a strong mindset. You know, he had like five different black belts. He was a martial arts, martial artist through and through, you know, never lost a fight under him as a pro or an amateur. I think I fought for him more than I fought for myself because he gave me love that I never had. And, you know, it was, he gave me everything. And, um, you know, he ended up passing away in a motorcycle accident, my uh, third pro fight. Mm. And uh, that crushed me. It crushed me, man. It really crushed me. I was, like I said, never, went from never losing a fight in my life to, you know, and so now when I search for coaches, it's almost like there's, there's that thing that's missing, you know, and I'm, I've, I've been from, you know, I'm at, this has been my, my fifth gym now. And I feel like my standards are either too high for coaches where I set the, you know, I look for that yeah. thing that my first coach ever uh, had, but it is what it is. That's not going to stop me. Um, I'm here now and I would have never gotten here without him. I would have never gotten here without, you know, all the childhood shit that I've been through. I wouldn't have never gotten here. You know, I became um, a teacher because I wanted to give those kids what I didn't have. I learned to read when I was 12 years old and I struggled. And when I saw the kids in my classroom, they, when they would cry, when, you know, when they would try to pronounce something or try to get a math problem right, uh, and they couldn't and they would cry. I remember me crying as a kid. I remember me struggling as a kid to read. I remember all those things. And all I had to do was put my hand on their shoulder and be like, look, I got you. Like, don't worry about it. I got you. And they felt that. And they felt that. And that was, that was the most rewarding thing for me was giving them that, that feeling. And my classroom had the most growth out of every fucking class Every class, my classroom had the most growth. Had nothing to do about how much I knew. Yeah. It just you know had what? to do about how much I poured into them. It shows you how important, and this is the message we are, are at its core, what DadCast is about, how friggin' important it is <laughs> to have a father or a father figure in yeah. your life. You lacked it. You got it. And now, what have you become, O'Day? the father figure yourself mm. and you're not even a dad yet good on you yeah. brother <laughs> that it, you just i yeah, just man. gave myself the chills talking <laughs> about you man it's it's been a while like i said uh it's been and there's so much more shit that that's why I needed I need a deck I need I need Netflix to get on this man because <laughs> what's what's everything have you been, when's the last time you were back to Jamaica I have not been back to Jamaica. I'm actually, so right now I'm, I'm not allowed to go back to Jamaica okay. until we're going to have a hard time going back there to film the childhood scenes then. <laughs> yeah. Um, hopefully with, you know, with the immigration, everything gets cleared up. Um, right now, like I said, I, I, I'm not allowed to go back. Um, but things are changing. Right. Things are changing. So okay. with one final question then, cause we go are ahead. actually, I'm going to give it two. Um, yeah, go ahead. I have I Okay, okay, Oday, <laughs> can we have you back on DadCast for another episode sometime in the not-so-distant <laughs> future? Because I feel like we've barely touched on the story, especially about what you're doing for the kids. I already know the answer is yes, so thank you for that. <laughs> Nick, yeah. you have questions? 
Yeah, yeah. So I threw a thing on social media at a couple of buddies. Wanted to ask mm. you a couple of questions if you're cool with that. Yeah, man, for sure. Okay. So my buddy Scott Stickler wants to know who is your biggest rival in the UFC. I don't have a. I don't have any uh, right now. Currently, if you look up Cody Durden and I, right now Cody Durden and I are going on. The, we're, we're we're having a Twitter battle right now. Oh, <laughs> so right. uh, hopefully, if he accepts to fight me. It's uh-huh. gonna be it's gonna be war out there, and uh, we're Cody Durden and I are going we're going at it, and on Twitter we're going back and forth, and uh, it's gonna be entertaining, man. We're gonna we're gonna entertain the fans, and Sweet. it's gonna be good. I want to cool. be ringside, okay. man. Okay, Nick. Last one, our buddy Ian Levin. Um, he wanted to know what are your thoughts on fighter compensation, and how do you feel about fighters that are parents bringing their kids to the fights? Um. I love the fact that fighters who are parents bring their kids because we're too soft as a society. We we're we're very soft. Yeah. It's, we're, we're, it's like it's 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 a it's two extremes, right? It's like one half is not sensitive enough, and one half is just too soft. It's like we need to find that middle ground. We need to uh, teach kids certain things. And I'm not saying bringing kids into violence. That's not what I'm saying, but introduce, introduce, introduce martial arts to children so that they can be strong minded. It's not about fighting. It's about discipline. Yes. And that's what people have to understand. It has nothing to do with fighting, but it has everything to do with discipline it has everything to do with making weight. It has everything to do with preparing your future and being strong minded so I love it when 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 kids bring when fathers or pa- or mothers bring their their kids to the fights. You know what I'm saying? Because they you know they they kids need that. They need that. They need to see what the world is like. Um, not to an uh, extremist standpoint, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah. And what about the compensation part? Oh, the comp. I, I purposely skipped that. <laughs> I know you did. All right. Well, there's your answer, Ian Levin. We're not going to get right. it from him today, but I'll talk no. to him off the air and I'll let you know. All right. <laughs> and the final question, uh, and it's not what you're expecting, Nick. Um, in the soon-to-be uh, in-production Netflix documentary series on O'Day Osborne, who is your choice to play you in that movie? <laughs> I feel like I would I would love if uh, Jaden Smith played me because ooh. I, I saw Pursuit of Happiness and that touched my heart and I was like ooh that was that was almost that was like that was me you know what I'm saying Pursuit right. of Happiness that was like me and my mom instead of Will Smith it was my mom nice you know? and that touched my heart and I was like ooh I would that's uh, who. <laughs> one based on his mom and him and then just an actual documentary right yeah i would go with michael jordan not the basketball player but michael was it michael p jordan michael Michael b jordan Jordan. yeah yeah Yeah. i mean i mean he he passed away though so we can't use him no no that was that was uh the black panther that was oh that was the black panther he he was the cousin the cousin i'm tripping yeah (laughs) creed creed come on man creed my bad my bad yeah yeah, that's what i go with 
Yeah, Party people, ladies and gentlemen, for everyone watching worldwide, wherever you may be and however you may be listening or watching, thank you so much. This is Mr. O'Day Osborne, UFC fighter, humanitarian, uh, the teacher of the children. Uh, mm -hmm. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day, man, and chit-chatting with us. I look forward to bringing you on again in the future. I look forward to hanging out with you in Vegas soon. Uh, thanks for coming on, man. Y'all, yeah, no problem, man. No problem. Thanks for having me. It was, it's a pleasure. You, I've gave y'all more than I've ever given anybody. Like I look, I put out deep dark secrets you on your show, and I appreciate deep, it, man. Dark secrets. And I tend to pull that out of people sometimes, so I'm, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse. Yeah, I'll, 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 dro I'll drop a quick bomb on you. Like, just gonna lighten the mood a little bit. I have a deep dark secret too. I got busted one time for drinking a whole beer out of a pitcher naked on stage at an undisclosed bar in Medford. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. It is frowned upon. Oh, Medford man. Not like <laughs> and there's I our clip. That. All right. <laughs> oh, he man. is Ode Osborne. Thank you so very much, man. We appreciate you. To everyone watching, thank you so much. Uh, we appreciate you. Please like it up, subscribe, do all the things, and we'll catch you on the very next episode of DadCast. Have a great rest of your day. See ya.